1: This episode is brought to you by Oh Hello Media. Oh Hello Media is the nation's leading visual storytellers of brand experiences. They utilize creative storytelling to empower brands with meaningful photography, videography, and video post-production that elicits emotion to create a lasting and memorable impression between your target audience and your brand. Not only do they have team members in every city across the country, their turnkey operational solution saves clients an average of 10 hours of project management. 10 hours! To learn more about Oh Hello Media services and how they're leveling up their clients' visuals, please visit their website at www.ohhellomedia.com. Again, that's www.ohhellomedia.com. everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types who are looking to up their game. This is your podcast, and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. Welcome back. Uh, On today's show, we're going to talk about the importance of having heroes in our business, people we can look up to, learn from, and even mimic while we search for our own voice. My guest is Clarence Bradley, a self-proclaimed advertising nerd who had plenty of heroes coming up but not too many that looked like him. But that didn't stop him from seeking out mentors and guidance and in some ways becoming his own hero. So without further ado, let's get into it with Clarence Bradley. Clarence Bradley, the the hustler of culture. I'm just reading that on your on your LinkedIn page and I I just love that. You're the you're the hustler of culture. I love that. How are hey, you, man?
0: I'm good, I mean, How How you doing, brother?
1: I'm doing well, man. It's good to see you again. Uh, we had hey. a we had a nice conversation uh, last week, and I'm I'm excited to speak to you. I think we're going to have we're covering a very uh, important topic today, which is the the importance of uh, of having a hero in this industry. So I'm I'm super excited. I think it's an important message. And I'm just excited to have you uh, on the show in general because you've just had uh, a pretty amazing career. Um, just going through your your LinkedIn, I mean, this reads like a like a who's who uh, of the business, right? And I'm, I don't want to embarrass you here, but I'm but I'm going to because I just want to get this across to the audience that this is a big get for me. Uh, you know, BBDO McKinney Martin. Uh, Fallon, um, Apple, you were copy- a freelance copywriter for Apple, Wieden and Kennedy, McCann, Ogilvy, Uh, and then most recently you were chief creative officer, uh, of Campbell Ewald. So man, that's a, that's a pretty incredible career, man. Congratulations on that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a fun ride. I can't complain.
1: Yeah. So, you know, before we get in, into, you know, this conversation about the importance of ha- having heroes, tell us a little bit about that career, because I imagine that, you know, there probably wasn't a lot of uh, people that came from your background or that even looked at like you as you were coming up. So kind of give us an overview, and then we'll kind of get into that that topic, because it's something that I've been wanting to talk about. So yeah. I'll, I'll let you take it away.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And... um I, I'll, I'll start with something that segues into our topic, but when I was 15 years old, I went to the movies uh, with my friends who were twins, Mike and Bernard, and my um, my dad dropped us off, and we saw this movie called School Days. It was Spike Lee's second movie, and it was about uh, life at a black college, and it was about colorism. It was about the difference between how light-skinned Blacks and dark-skinned Blacks treat each other. And I had never seen a movie with an all-Black cast. I had never seen a movie that had been directed by a Black person. I had never seen a movie that really talked about topics in the Black community. So at 15 years old, I was blown away. My dad picked me up from the theater and he was like, how'd you guys like the movie? And I was like, this movie's amazing, this black guy made this movie, and it was about this, side and, third, yada, yada. and I said, you know black people make movies? And my dad was like, yeah, black people do all kinds of stuff. And But up until that point in my life, I had never met anyone uh, that looked like me that made movies, or just anybody who made yeah. movies or did anything creative. Like, everybody in our community, they were school teachers and postal workers, and they, you know, they were there's a military base, so a lot of people in the military, you know, I, lived, I grew up by the airports, so there were a lot of Lockheed Barton and uh, engineers and plane, you know, people who did all different types of things, plane pilots and flight attendants and mechanics and stuff like that, so, but no one in anything creative, nothing. So, that movie's changed my life, I and I, I've had the opportunity to work with Spike, and I told him the story, and, um, so that was really wow, you know kind of a that, full talk about thing.
1: yeah, full circle, I was about to say what a what a full circle moment for you to have that that experience with him that's that's really cool
0: it was yeah it was very, very cool, and um but yeah, he was the reason I went to college. I' until to that point, I had no reason to go to college i I knew I was going to college, I knew that was something my parents wanted for me um but you know, my mom was like, computers are the future. You should do something with computers. And they sent me to computer camp at a, at a local college in Atlanta, Georgia yeah. State. And, yeah. And I hated it. I hated computer camp. It was awful. It was awful. Yeah. Um, but once I saw that movie, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And then, so I went to college. I studied film and television production. Um, at the time, Atlanta was kind of becoming, a, you know, a budding hot scene for uh, music and so I worked on a lot of music videos. Um, and then by the time I, I graduated, well, closer I got to graduation, I had a roommate who invited me to come with him to a meeting for the advertising club at my university. And and uh, I went with a buddy of mine and we were like, yeah, advertising might be a nice fallback to film. Um, and then after sitting in this meeting because bbdo atlanta came and they were kind of our sponsor um agency for for the ad club and, and they came and one guy was like hi i'm a copywriter Another you know, yeah, guy, i'm an art director um, an account person blah 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 and i was sitting there going huh so commercials are kind of like 30 60 second films i could do that 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 sounds cool and so by the time i graduated All of my friends who were from New York and LA, they all went home and you know, they started working on movies and TV shows and all this other kind of stuff. And I realized that I would need to go to film, like proper film school, like for a master's program. And I knew that required me to move to LA and New York. First of all, I couldn't afford to go to a a graduate program. And second of all, I definitely could not afford to live in New York or Los Angeles. So I started looking into advertising programs. Yeah. And I looked at Creative Circus. I looked at Portfolio Center since they were right there in Atlanta because I'm from Atlanta. Um, and I met with a gentleman by the name of Norm Gray, who was the you know founder of Creative Circus. And uh, he was like, well, Claire, would be happy to have you come here. He said, but you spent your entire life in Atlanta. You should check out Miami Ad School. And I was like, OK. So I um, took some vacation time and went down to Miami for a week. And went to Miami High School. The, the program I was like, oh, this is kind of dope, you know. And it's on South Beach, and and I, I was just, I've always been a fan of like Art Deco uh, yeah. architecture and things of that nature. And I loved all the bright colors, and I just loved the, you know, the kind of international feel of Miami Beach. And I was like, you know, if I could swing this, this would be great. And at the time, I was interning at Bell South, which is now at t and i told my boss i was like look man i've been sitting on the wrong side of the table i don't want to be a marketer i want to be an advertising and, and i want to go to the school called Miami Ad school in miami and he was like well you're in luck because i just hired a woman for our marketing team who's going to be doing all of our hispanic advertising and she wants to be based in miami you can go down there and help her and i was like all right great so he moved wow. my internship to miami and at the time uh you know Bellsoft was you know being consumed by AT&T, they're going to end up laying off a lot of people. So back in the day, I mean, companies still do it now, but, you know, companies will pay for you to continue your education just as long as it's tied to your job. Um, Well, Bell South changed that and said, look, if you want to go become a nurse, we'll pay for nursing school. We'll pay for whatever schooling you want because we're going to get rid of your job. So we're just trying to help people. So... As an intern, I went to HR. and was like, hey, look, I want to go to this program called Miami Ad School. And they were like, okay. And I was like, holy crap, they're going to pay for me to go to Miami Ad School. So they paid for my first two quarters of Miami Ad School when I was in wow. Miami. And, and then uh, they phased me out um, as part of the ATT t thing. They got rid of all the interns. And and by that time, I had gotten a scholarship from uh, DDB to, you know, baby to go to school. So... Schools paid for, and then I got a little part-time job and kind of kicked it around Miami doing part-time jobs and going to class. And then, you know, I graduated, got a job at BBDO New York, and then I was kind of off to the races. And wow, you know, that was kind of the beginning. Like I, I, I learned a lot at BBDO New York. I had a great mentor, uh guy uh, named Peter Moore Smith, who's you know not only an amazing copywriter but you know a prolific uh, novelist and children's book writer and, you know, now a uh, notable director. And I had Peter kind of guiding me through the bureaucracy and politics of BBDO New York. And he kind of kept me close to his vest and made sure I had opportunities. And, you know, my third TV spot that I ever did was a Super Bowl spot. So I was very, very fortunate. What? Coming right out of school. Yeah. Um, and during my time at BBDO New York, uh, Jerry Graff, who we probably all knew, um, had come back from Gooby Silverstein and got a job at BBDO New York and he was running, uh, FedEx and Guinness and red stripe. And I made it a a point to go meet him when, um, he got back to BBDO and he was very instrumental in helping me, you know, just kind of mature as a creative person. Yeah. and he was very instrumental in getting me out of BBD New York. He was like, look, dude, there's only been so much growth for you here at BBDO New York. You got to get out of here. And, um, and I, I, I had an opportunity come to me to go work at BBDO Atlanta to work on a very small piece of the AT&T business called uh, AT&T Youth. You know, uh, really back then, the company was still called Singular. Which is now, oh yeah,
1: well, yeah singular, yeah.
0: But they did; they had a component that they were doing that was just focused on youth marketing, and this was the birth of text messaging, camera phones, uh, video on cam- on phones, and stuff like that. So this is all pre-iphone. This is like the beginning of the beginning. So we did a lot of work explaining to kids, like introducing kids to text messaging and camera phones, and how cool they could be and the things that they could do with it. And we started winning some awards with that. And then uh, with that kind of good traction, I was able to get a job at McKinney. Um, And I did several years at McKinney under Jonathan Coode and David Baldwin, um, who were extremely great to me, um, along with uh, Ellen Steinberg and and, uh, Dave Cook. A lot of really great mentorship there Um, and left there. And I went to Martin and I met Danny Robinson when I was at Martin. Cliff Sora and some other great guys there and uh, Learned a lot there Um, And then I left there and went to Fallon and that's where I got to work with all my copywriting heroes Which is one of the things we're going to talk about but I got to meet Dean Buckhorn and You know I had when I was in Miami ad school I had the opportunity to study under a lot of guys from Fallon in Minneapolis and um, Tom Rosen um, Eric Sorensen Uh, Tom Kelly a lot of great great names in the game of copywriters so it was nice to be able to work with my uh, copywriting heroes Bruce Bilston was my boss so that was highly intimidating you sit in his office and over his shoulder are shelves of just pyramids of one-show pencils and and rows and rows of con lions and, and you know andes and just extremely intimidating you're just sitting there and you're like, yeah. okay, just please don't tell me, and I'm, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> and, um, but Bruce was great, great guy to me. And and then, you know, so then I freelanced for a bit, and I, I kind of bounced around. And then I, I got to a point in my career where um, I had an opportunity to go overseas, and I worked at Creature in London. And I have to say that working abroad really opened up my... Uh, thinking and I, I had the opportunity to do some really great work at Creature and then that led to some opportunity that led to me having the opportunity to go to Apple um, where I did a lot of really cool work at Apple and worked with some really amazing people there um, and then that led to an opportunity to go to Widen Kennedy and I, I you know it's Wyden it was amazing and we did some really fun things there uh, for a grocery store chain called Sinsbury. You know you, you not think that you could do cool things for a grocery store, but we did some really fun, cool, amazing work. The 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 design uh department at Wyden is always amazing and they did some beautiful, beautiful work for Sinsbury. And so then I came back to the United States and I did some time in McCann, some time at Ogilvy, um and just kind of bounced around and then someone approached me, uh, about being CCO, of Campbell Ewall. Um, this was kind of like right at the beginning of the pandemic and, and I was like, yeah, sure. seems like a fun challenge because one of the things that you don't get, um, uh, in this business, especially as a person of color, you don't really get a, a lot of exposure to the full, uh, agency. Right. You know, if you're creative, you know, you learn how to become creative. You learn how to be an art director, you learn how to be a designer, you learn how to be a copywriter. Um, But you don't really get a sense of the piece of business itself that you're working on. Like, you don't understand how big are the budgets. Why are those budgets so big or so small? You know, who's in charge of those budgets? Who's in charge of these timelines that we have? Why are the timelines so long or so short? You know, who are our clients? You know, what are their backgrounds? You know, what What are their real goals and aspirations, you know, for the brand? What are their goals and aspirations for themselves? Like, you know, you don't really get a chance to be in those types of meetings because they consider those meetings for creatives boring. Um, but that's the business of advertising. And if you want to grow, like once you get to a director level position, like a creative director, you should be demanding to be a part of those meetings. And I think that that's the only way that you can become you know, a true advertising professional or an executive. Like, you, you can't, they, if you want to move into the upper echelons of positions, you've got to know the business and you've got to put yourself in a position to be exposed to those types of meetings. Right. Um, so, being CCO gave me the opportunity to do that. And Campbell Ewald was, the CEO, Kevin Wartz was, uh, he was CEO at the time, he he was when I got hired, he was like, look, dude, you can learn as much about, you know, the business as you want to. You know, so I I, I tried to do regular meetings with our CFO and then her her right hand. And I did regular meetings with Kevin and I picked um, I asked a lot of questions and, and learned a lot in the process. But it was. It was great. It, now, I have to, I, I asked myself. Was this something that I would want to do for the rest of my career? Probably not. Like, I like being connected to the work. Like, I had a mentor, a uh, brilliant art director and great guy named um, Scott O'Leary. He, he we were, painting. this was at Fallon, and we were just kind of kicking it, and he was like, he said, Clarence's business is so weird. He was like, you get really good at your job, and then someone taps you on the shoulders and say, okay, you're so good at your job, we're going to have you stop doing your job. <laughs> to lead other people or to teach other people what you do, you know, and and some people have the ability to do that and some people don't, you know, some people just want to make cool stuff. That's what they do. Well, like they can't teach it, but they can do it. Right. Um, and, and then also some people have no interest in getting into the business side of advertising. They just know how to be creative and they want to stay there. Yeah. Um, And that's cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, right, but I would I say, excuse me for for all creators of color. I think it's beneficial for us to be well rounded um, because a we need to be in the higher echelons. We just
1: yeah, and and I was about. I, yeah, and I wanted to to jump in there and say, I mean that's the other reason why you want to learn about how the business works, right? So that you can affect affect change within within the business as somebody, you know, person of color, or or sort of a marginalized community, right? Once you once you get in there, then you understand how things work. And if that's what you want to do, you want to see more people that, um, you know, that look like you that think like you that that bring a different, you know, flavor to the work. That's probably the best way that you can do it is by, you know, being a being at the top.
0: Absolutely. And And, you know, there are multiple ways to the top. Like if you're just, you know, extremely talented and, you know, you get the opportunity to to rise uh, to the top of the food chain just based on your talent. That's one way. You know, other people, it's a mixture of talent and business savvy. Um, And for me, I just, I I, I wanted to know how to run an agency. That was really important to me to, to be able to have those skills. Um, but I, I have to say that I like being connected to the work. Like my job at Campbell UL was kind of, it wasn't a nice mix. It was, I did a lot of the business side and less the yeah. creative side, uh, but that was just the needs of the agency at the time. Um, but I, I, I would, I would definitely take on another uh, major leadership position like that. If I had the opportunity to have more balance, to right. be able to affect okay. the work on a day to day basis and, and groom creatives I mean, I I, I I I have to say that I am always more about grooming leadership than I am about junior people, because I, I let like if I am at the top, if I'm a CCO or an ECD, my job is to help grow my director level people into great managers, and and to you know how how to take the how to teach them how to use the skills that they have gained to become great creatives, and to you know in some way teach it or at least yeah. explain it in a way to say, Hey, look, this is kind of the path to a great idea. You know what I'm saying? Some people will get yeah. it. Some people won't get it, but at least you, be able to, you can help guide folks. Um, yeah. and so that's kind of my focus as a creative leader. Um, as far as young folks go, I always make time to chat with them and talk to them and stuff like that. But I always prefer for them to build strong relationship with their direct reports so they have an understanding of, you know, what their needs are. Um, and then also, I, I think a lot of times creative directors, once you get your creative director level, you don't really get the kind of mentorship that you need to have. Like everybody focuses on the young people and trying to help them. Then you get to the creative yeah. director. People are like, oh, you know it. It's like, no, you don't. Like, no, there's no handbook for being a creative director. There's no well, handbook Well, an ECD or an ECD. I'm,
1: I'm you know, just like kidding, You go man.
0: from, you know, one day you got... No title. The next day, you got a title, and they just like run with it. And you know, so I think it's it's I think it's vital for us to teach, you know, creative directors how to become creative directors and and know how to be savvy business people because they're running a piece of business and they need to know how to partner with their uh, account and um, um, strategy counterparts and media counterparts and and finance counterparts to know how to successfully run that business to be able to, because people think, Oh, I don't know want to know the business side, but if you really have a better understanding of the business side, it can help, you know, with the creative side, you know, like I've I've had finance meetings and heard things that made me go, Oh snap. Okay. So if we only have that amount of money, then this really should not be a TV thing. You know, this should be a social thing and we should be trying to do this or like, you know, based on what I heard in a client called, we should be doing this versus that. And, and it really helps shift how we approach an assignment in a way that we can be more successful and be more creative. So, but yeah, so that's, yeah. that's kind of my career. You know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've had, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of mentors along the way uh, through when I was at Miami ad school, I had a lot of mentors uh, through my career. I've had a lot of mentors um, and, I I think the industry is different now that there are more people of color in the industry now than there were when I was coming up. Uh, The only senior creative person that I knew that was black was Jimmy Smith. And I didn't meet Jimmy until much later in my career.
1: And And where was he? Sorry.
0: Uh, Jimmy Smith was a creative director. He was the creative director for Nike basketball at Wagon Kennedy. He did all this amazing right. work for, for Nike basketball and super nice guy, super nice guy. He's, he, he now owns his own agency called amusement, um, entertainment. Yeah. Um, and and
1: and, you know one of one of the things that i wanted to just kind of backtrack for a second on is is that's you know that's the impetus for this this podcast and for the book Mm -hmm. that i wrote and why why i want to bring people like you right because i totally agree that we're not mentoring the people at that level right it's kind of like you throw them to the wolves and be like hey good luck right and 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 they need so much um mentorship and, and teaching because it's a it's a completely um different role, right? And 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 there's not, like you said, there's books and there's things, but there's not like uh you know, there's not like a here's your manual because it's all different, clients are different, agencies are different and all that. So you're now part of that that canon, right, of trying to teach the the next generation of, of creative directors. But what I what I what I noticed about you and your story is that Yes, it sounds like you did have a, a lot of mentors, but in some ways you were your own uh, you were your own hero. And and what I what I mean by that is that just in you telling your story, I see all the moments in time where you took the initiative to do something, to meet somebody, to put yourself out there and and walk into somebody's office that may have felt intimidating, and and just be and that that's that's a characteristic that I think um, is missing from a lot of people. And when you don't, you know, maybe when you're not seeing a lot of people that look like you and 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 um, you know come from the same places that you do, maybe that's the opportunity for to do what you did right, which is like I- I'm going to do it if I can't find you know these people. I'm I'm just I'm going to be that person. So. Um not not to embarrass you, but would you would you agree with that sentiment that you were kinda like you were kinda doing your own thing. You were being your own hero in a sense.
0: No, absolutely, man. Like uh the motto of my alma mater is I will find a way or make one. And that's how I've always lived Ooh. my life. And you know, um and that kind of ties into the idea of hustler culture. It's like Yeah. Um I Yeah you know, I, I tell people You know, I I, I sling culture for brands, you know, and but also it was that hustle mentality that I had growing up in College Park um, in Atlanta that, you know, the only way I'm going to get it is to get it. And and I've I've never had really this kind of intimidation situation. Like you mentioned intimidation of certain folks. Like I, I see everybody as a person. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Like I've met you know big wigs in our industry, and I just walk up to them and like, hey, I'm playing. So how's it going? You know, and you know, and I don't really let how they treat me change how I will treat them. Or you know, you know, if they're cool, great. If they if they're kind of schmucky, that I you know, I'm like, all right, that's cool. You don't want to be you don't want to be friends with me, or you don't want to help me. That's all right. I'll go to the next person. Wow. You know? Where where did but, where where do you think that
1: that where do you think that that came from? Uh, Is that something that I you know your, your 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 parents instilled in you, or that you just kind of you know because that's not that's not easy for a lot of people to do. I, I'd like to think that I'm similar in in that way, although sometimes I do get a little bit intimidated and it's you know I've gotten better over the years about just you know start start striking up a conversation and you know but where do you think that that comes from
0: It's a good question um I've always kind of had this desire to, you know, like okay, a love for people. You know, like I was yeah. most congenial in high school. You know, there's that scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where the the um, the vice, principal, vice principal's assistant talks about <laughs> all the different groups of kids at the school that <laughs> Ferris Bueller is cool with. Yeah, you know, from, uh, if you, you can, know, can name that, months.
1: if you can name that list, I will. Uh, I, I will. It's like the 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 funniest part is that I think she says like the sluts, the dweebs, the jocks, right? She says some like really random, the wastoids. Oh my god, that's I gotta do a I gotta do this thing here. Um, (laughs) um, that is hilarious.
0: Yeah, like I I was that kid in high school. Like I was cool with everybody, and and I was you know and I've always been that way, and I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe it's an insecurity of mine, of just like, "Hey, I want to be friends with people." You know what yeah. I'm saying? Possibly. I don't know. Um, but I, I, it's, I, it's hard for me to categorize it as an insecurity because I'm not crushed when they don't want to be friends. It's like you know, I recognize that you know, not everybody is going to click. You know, yeah. like sometimes it's, it's a square peg round hole kind of situation, and that's okay. Then I yeah. move on to the next person. Yeah. But. um, but yeah, that's that's just been something that has always kind of spurred me along. Like, oh, you know, Jaime seems like an interesting person. Go strike up a conversation with him. Or like ask them, you know, like when I first met um, Jerry Graf, I asked him. He, I, I'll never forget. He, it was him and Harold Einstein. And they had them in a temporary office at BBDO New York. And they were sitting there eating meatball subs. And I said, man... I'm sorry to interrupt your lunch, man, but I just wanted to ask you a really quick question. How'd you get out of here? You know, like, because he had, he had done this really good Snickers campaign, uh, which got him a job at, at be Silverstein, and then he went to Goodby Silverstein and did all this amazing work, and then he was coming back to BBDO, and I said, I said, he said, Clarence, let me tell you the Snickers story, and he sat me down, and he told me how they made the Snickers campaign. Yeah. Um, and it was really really interesting and but yeah but like you know jerry was very friendly and is yeah very friendly. and and,
1: and I, go ahead. just just to just to jump in there real quick i think what what's also ha- helped you i think and we talked about this when we had our our first conversation the other day is you're a nerd about this stuff you're yeah. like a you're, you're like a historian right and i imagine that you know that pe- people appreciate that right? when you have a, a historical knowledge or, or have some kind of passing knowledge or interest in like, Hey, how did you do that? Or like, I heard, I, I read about this that you did or uh, t- tell us about kind of your, your ad nerdism, um, <laughs> you know, what, what, how would you describe that? Or, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, when I was in school, um, we were always taught to study you know, award show annuals and things of that nature. Um, and not not just to see great work, but to see the patterns. Like certain names keep popping up over and over again for things that are yeah. funny or for things that are beautiful and cinematic or for beautiful long copy or, you know, amazing art direction. And I started making a list of the work that I started to enjoy and I'm like, oh, wow, Tom Rosen was like one of my copywriting heroes. You know, Jeff um, um, Dinberg at, um, at Goodby Silverstein was one of my copywriting heroes of uh, Dave Dole and Dave Dye in, in, in England. They amazing creative team. They did amazing work. Um, the, the headline that got me into advertising um, was written by Stacy Wall which was, you know, you don't win silver, you lose gold. Like, I literally pulled over to the side of the road. I was living in Atlanta during the Olympics, and Nike had all of these billboards around the city, and that one was one in my neighborhood. And I was driving down 85 mm-hmm. north, headed yeah. into uh, to the city, and I pulled over to the side of the road to stare at it. And it said, you don't win silver, you lose gold. And it was such a powerful statement. I was like, yep. I'm going to go to ask. Them. This is it. This is what yeah. I want to do, just based off of those words from Stacy Wall. But, but that was the thing. I, I studied. I studied these folks, and you know, you're always taught to emulate. You know, emulate before you, you know, to find your own voice. You know, yeah. uh, I was looking at, i um, uh, you know, I think it was Pablo Picasso that said, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal. You know, so I was stealing the style of all the voice of all these different copywriters when I was in ad school, trying to write in their voice, trying to under, you know, kind of get their lyricism down, you know, trying to figure out, you know, their choice of words and, you know, how they find funny, funny names for characters and all this other kind of stuff. Studied all of that same thing with you know even though i'm a writer still studying design and art direction like it was like oh man this art director is amazing yada, blah, blah 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 um but yeah i just for me that was part of becoming you know learning the craft and and then once i got out in the business and started meeting these people i would nerd out on them i'd be like oh my gosh great you know, you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. You're you an amazing copywriter, man. I, I'm a huge fan. You know, and some people, yeah. you know, look at it and like, dude, what are you talking about? You know, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a copywriter. Slow down. Back up. Yeah. Some people take it that way and other people are like, oh, wow. You know, it's nice to be recognized. Like, you know, we kind of work in these vacuums and you think no one really gives a crap about what you right. do. And then when you meet someone who does, you're like, oh, wow. Um So, so yeah, it was just one of those things for me, like advertising was what I chose to do with my life. And I really wanted to align myself with the best people possible. And I knew that if I could build a relationship with them, I know symbiosis would take place. I know if I, I've always been a believer in, if you throw me into the deep end of the pool, I'm going to learn to swim. So, you know, I've always tried to put myself at great agencies where I could learn how to swim with the greats. And I was to try to attach myself to someone who is great um, and just show them my work. You know, and a lot of people are very kind and a lot of people are kind of, you know, snarky. And, you know, some people are downright mean, but they make you better, you know, and you learn, you know, either way, however they present the criticism to you. You have to, you know, go home and dissect the criticism and say, okay, this is what they're talking about. This is what they meant. Okay, I get it now. And I just keep trying to get better. And I keep coming back and I keep coming back and keep, keep coming back. And over time, I'm, I've, I've been able to become a better and, better and better and better and better writer, better and better and better conceptual thinker, um, uh, better and better, better about, you know, visualizing things on a page or on a, uh, or for television, you know, whatever it might be for social. Um, but yeah, that was just my goal. Like I, I wanted to surround myself with, with great people. And, but I had to be, if I, if I weren't an ad nerd, I wouldn't know who these people were, you know? And that's kind of part, you know, you know, why you know, we're going to talk about the idea of, you know, the importance of having heroes, like these people yeah. were my heroes. I had someone to look up to. I had something to shoot for. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, 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 I don't meet a lot of young people coming out of ad school these days, or just young people coming into the business that have a lot of heroes. Like, they know the names like David Droga, you know, they know Greg Hahn, and they know Jerry Graff. They know the people who are at the top of the food chain, but they don't right. have people who are actual like writers and art directors who are still in the game, just making stuff that are, you know, right. maybe one or two rungs higher than them on the title chain. Like right. those are the people that I was reaching out. I, I never reached out to uh, like ECDs and, and CCOs when I was coming up, I was reaching out to copywriters and like art directors, like people who were in the trenches making the stuff. Um, and I learned a heck of a lot from those folks, um, and those, and that's the, that's the thing that's really important. Like having those types of mentors, because those mentors, you know, because they're good, they end up becoming the ECDs and the CCOs of places, and right. you know, and when they get to those positions, you know, if they think you're worthy, they'll tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, man, why don't you come work for me?" Yeah, you know. Um, so is
1: that kind of like would you say that that's kind of like uh, principle one of this idea of you know the importance of of finding heroes is is you know it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be the people that you know at, are at the top of the game it needs to be somebody that you aspire to, and that can be somebody from your agency that can be somebody from an agency that's working with slightly bigger clients that can be, that can be any number of things. Right. And I think when we say hero, it sounds like somebody, you know, that's, that's super grand, but it just needs to be somebody that you can kind of look up to that. You can kind of like, you know, attach yourself to do that. Right.
0: Who inspires you. That's the thing. It's like, this is an industry where, you know, especially for creators, inspiration is key. And when I was flipping through, you know, like people don't really read communication arts, advertising annuals as much um, anymore, but I used to study those annuals every time they came out. And like I said, I would be looking at the names and I'm like, oh, man, that person's an amazing writer or like um, Kara Goodrich. She wrote these articles for I forgot what the jewelry store uh, company was. Beautiful long copy. Uh, article um, ads and and uh, the headlines were just showstoppers, just amazing. Like Carrie Goodrich, she's an OG. You know what I'm saying? Amazing, amazing. Um, and and it's there's just so many people like that that you know I've had the opportunity to meet and not had the opportunity to meet, but the goal, even if I never met them, I have their work to reference. Mm. You know, and to study and and to put up on my wall and to stare at and and to, you know, eventually try to emulate when, you know, I'm given an assignment. I try to take on character, rich's voice and um, until I find my own voice, you know, because that's the thing. It's like you emulate till you find your own voice and you kind of pick and pick and choose and, you know, from different people. And um, but. You you gotta have you gotta be putting that information into you. You know that's the thing. It's like the more you feed yourself, the more output that you have. Um, so the better input, the better the output. And so that was my thing. I always tried to study great folks, and and not just you know people in the industry. It's like filmmakers, famous designers, famous you know uh, like whether they be architects or furniture designers or topographers or whatever it is like i just tried to collect cool stuff you know what i'm saying like i was so excited when pinterest came about like because i i was literally just collecting stuff in shoeboxes and like i i you know people who know me from early early on in my career i used to litter my office with stickers and 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 flyers for parties and skate shops and all this other kind of stuff just because i love the design you know and i and that's how i collected it i would just pop it up on my wall and and like i said i collect stuff in shoeboxes and stuff like that and then pinterest came along then i was like oh i could put all this stuff on pinterest and i can yeah. categorize it and all this other kind of stuff so that's the thing it's like Your heroes can can come from anywhere, from any. Especially if you're a creative person, they don't have to be writers. They don't have to be art directors. They don't have to be designers. They don't have to be tied. I should say they don't have to be tied to your particular craft. You just want to fill your head with cool stuff. You know that's the thing. Whether whether they be a choreographer or you know, they can even arrange flowers. It doesn't matter. Whatever you find cool and inspirational you know, log it away in your head because you never know when you have the opportunity to put it in a TV spot, to put it in a, a, you know, create a social campaign around it, you know, to call upon those people to work on something with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I got the chance to work with Spike. Like Spike was, you know, one of my, was was my first hero growing up. And then I was able to reach out to him about a campaign and he was cool with working on it. And then, you know, I got to build a, you know, a relationship with him on that, on that assignment in that situation. So, but I had to have him as a hero first. I had to be, I had to be exposed to him. I had to know who he was. I had to appreciate right. his work to pick up the phone and, and make that phone call. But, but that's the thing. It's like, if you're at an agency and you don't really have people that you look up to, that's okay. You know, you you know, we live in a digital world now. You can find a person's email address. Like, if you like someone who's at, you know, Goody Silverstein, White and Kennedy, Right, uh, Mischief, David Droga. I'm like Droga Five rather. Um, Gut. Whatever, whatever place that you find inspirational, find a writer or an art director or a designer there that you think is doing amazing work, and try to build a rapport with them. Say, hey, do you mind if I see you some work every now and then? You know what I'm saying? Or, like, yeah, I've been, tell yeah, me, I've been yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, like, you know, and I, you and I talked about this, like, I've been amazed at the generosity of of people, you know, like you, who I'll send a note to. They don't know me. Maybe they've heard the podcast a little bit or know, you know, what I'm doing and stuff. And just like, absolutely, I'll be on your show. Absolutely, I'll, I'll you know, and then after I have them on the show, it's like, hey, man, can, can, I pick your brain about this absolutely like people in our business and maybe it's, maybe it's just the people that that I've come across um but are so generous with their time and with um you know with their insights and I mean I just been blown away but I it's it's taking that that little step right and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck all, all you can do is try and and yeah. all they can say is yes or no uh, and if you can get over that feel that fear you'll be really surprised at how often people will say like, absolutely. Cause people want, I think, you know, we want to share what we know. We can't, we can't take it with us.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing about creative people in general. We are very sensitive. We, we you know, most of us kind of always feel that we're not making it, you know, like we have these fleeting <laughs> moments where we did a great thing, but then, you know,
1: Oh man, you
0: no, know, we suck again. You know, so if someone comes to you and says, hey, you're great, I would love to pick your brain, nine times out of ten, you're going to be like, yeah, cool. It's nice to be appreciated. And then the other yeah. situations are, if you're in this business, I mean, whether it be advertising or film or television or whatever it is, most people are truly excited about what they do. And they like to talk shop with other people who are excited about what they do.
1: hmm You know?
0: Um yeah. I, I, I a young lady reached out to me on LinkedIn a couple days ago and I I was chatting with her and I probably overwhelmed her. I'm like just going on and on and on. Like
1: she's,
0: (laughs) she was coming right out of school. She's an art director. Um, And I was looking at her portfolio and I was just trying to explain to her. I was like, your book needs more personality. Like the, the danger of a lot of kids, especially kids coming out of college is they, they set out to make an ad and the goal is not to make an ad, the goal is to communicate to people. Hmm. And in the world that we live in now, with so many different channels for us to communicate to people, um, you've got to be compelling, you've got to be interesting, and you've got to do it fast. You know, so I was, you know, if you have a book that's just headlines and visuals, that's not really going to capture anybody's attention because no one cares for advertising. Like even, even people in advertising don't really care for boring advertising. They want yeah. interesting advertising. Stuff that wins awards is interesting. It's compelling, you know? Like I, I, had, um, I had I had a guy who was a CD at Wyatt and Kennedy. He was one of my um, instructors in an, ads, in an ad class. And he was talking about, he said, you gotta make me feel something. He said, whether you piss me off, or you make me vomit, or you make me scream, or you make me laugh, I got to feel something. If I haven't felt something, then you then you haven't made a great ad yet. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. okay." And and it took me a while. I I got it, but I didn't get it. And then after a while, I really started to get it. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. I completely understand now." Like people remember things that they care about. So make things that people care about, you know? Like and that's the thing. It's like we you we've we've got to that's, again, it goes back to the heroes finding, you know, collecting these people's work that you admire, looking at it, studying it, becoming a fan of it, emulating it. You know, all of that will lead to you eventually making great work and becoming someone else's hero. But you're also learning you're, you're, you're doing this all based on people who you find interesting. So the goal is yeah. to always try to be as freaking interesting as humanly possible. Um, like I teach at the one school uh, via the one club. And, and that's one of the things that we always tell the students, like, be interesting. Like you are interesting. So put you in the work. Like yeah. a young lady, I was telling you about the, the young lady who's, who wants to be an art director. I didn't see her in the work. She just made ads. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody can make ads, you know, like I, I, I do. I do this presentation for uh, young students. It's called solid, good, great. And those are the three words that people use when they talk about your portfolio. You know, if you if you have a if people say, you know, you've got a solid book, honey. That basically means you know how to make an ad. You know what a headline is. You know what, a you know, you know, basic art direction. You know how to make an ad. You know what I'm saying? Concepts are OK. Like, if I needed you to make an ad, you would make an ad and it would be a decent ad. You know what I'm saying? But you're not going to blow my wig back. You're not coming up. You're not, you're not um, and reinventing the game. You know what I'm saying? You're just kind of status quo.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then someone says that you're good, they see, they see you in the work. They see something there that intrigues them. It makes them want to go back to it and be like, hey, well, how'd you think of this? Where'd that come from? This is, this is interesting and whatnot. And that's a great place to be. And and good is, it's a wide chasm of good. Like, you know, and then making the jump from good to great, that's like the grand king. You know, some people do it. Some people never do it. But if you can at least become good at what you do, you will always be employed. Because always, because people will want what you bring to the table. Like you you have mastered how to put you in the work and you have a point of view and people want to hire that point of view. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, the best compliment I ever got in this business was from Jonathan Cood during one of my reviews. And he said, Clarence, you said you're good on the cusp of being great. He said, I just want to see more greatness from you. He said, I see glimpses of greatness. I just want to see more greatness. And that for a mid-level copywriter on his third job, I was over the moon. Like, I was yeah. like, Jonathan Coo, who was, again, one of my copywriting heroes. He worked at White and Kennedy. He wrote the manifesto for Nike that hangs in the hallway at Nike, you know? Talk about being an amazing writer. Like, I was like, I... Jonathan Coo says I'm good, you know, on the cusp of being great, or see he sees glimpses of greatness from me. I was like, yeah. I can't. You know, over the moon. I know. I'm. I. 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 I that was. that's just spurred me forward. You know. And I'm like, okay. So I just want to keep at this. I want to keep pushing and pushing myself and pushing myself to try to get better. Do I think I'm great now? No, I don't think I'm great. I think, but I do think I'm good. I think that. You know, oh, you got to be happen.
1: better than good if you've had. You know. Yeah. yeah. I think you probably have to be pretty great to be where you are right now. So, Well,
0: you're, you're, you're kind to say so, but I, I, I think that, you know, I'm a big believer that the best work uh, for me has yet to be done.
1: Yeah, I, me you too. Know, and, and,
0: and I think that I know I could still continue to push myself as a writer and still push myself as a conceptual thinker. Um, and I think that, again, for me, it's always about putting myself in situations uh, to be around people that inspire me and, you know, and quite honestly, humble me from a creative perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've worked with people who are older than me and people who are younger than me that humble me. I'm like, holy crap, that's amazing. Like, and you started that out in five minutes. That's crazy, you know? And I just, and I I want to spend more time with them because I'm just like, I really want to understand what are you reading, what are you listening to, yeah. you know? Who are your inspirations? Like, where, how, what did you fill your mind with that something like that came out of your head? You know what I am saying? Like, I just want, and you know, for me, it's, it's this constant expansion of my mind and my, and my ways of thinking and whatnot. And like I said, aligning myself with those types of folks and just learning through osmosis. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing, man. Like if I could leave anybody with anything um, on this podcast is if you're a young creative coming up in the business, make a list of heroes for yourself, you know, whether they be people that you know or people that you don't know, but you have to have something to shoot for. You know, like Greg Greg Khan has done um, his catalog of work is outstanding, like freaking outstanding. Greg Khan is you know, he, he, he is he is on my Mount Rushmore of copywriters. Um, but he did a campaign when he was at founding for Timberland, and it was called Seek Out. And the campaign was so interesting because it didn't have any pictures of nature. It was all about – it was all pictures of indoors, and the whole idea was to get out of doors, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And some of them were long copies. Some of them were just headlines. But I studied – That work. So, I mean, I had it up in my bathroom. I had it up in my, you know, my office. I had it everywhere, like just because I found it so inspiring and it was, and it just, and it it didn't sound like advertising. It sounded like people, it sounded like he was having a conversation, you know, with someone. And, and it was just, it just felt real and, and it was really interesting and fresh and, I mean, to this day, I reference that stuff. I go back and I look at it, you know? Yeah. But you can only kind of get that fire. You can only push yourself by having things like that, by having a Greg Hahn to inspire you. Like, and this was when he was a copywriter. Like, he, he did the Timberland thing as a copywriter. He wasn't a creative director. He wasn't, you know, a big deal. He was just a copywriter writing stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, he... Find something to shoot for, you know. That's the thing, you know. And and and, and, and you know, in the world we live, it could be social. It could be it could be an influence, a social influence. It doesn't freaking matter. This as long as they do stuff that inspires you to want to do stuff.
1: Yeah. You know? Now, so, uh, now, let me ask you a question. H- how important? And I want to get your, um, when you your take on this, right? how important is it for your heroes or at least some of your heroes to to be like you to look like you to be for where you came from how how important is that cuz i got to imagine that it's that it's tough um you know if you're looking at, at all these folks and and not seeing yourself reflected in there it, how, how important is that maybe is it maybe man? it's not important but i but i would and 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 then secondly, how many of the people that w- were on your hero list or are on your hero list fit that, you know, description?
0: Um, well, first of all, it's extremely important because it shows you that you can make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 yeah. it, 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 and it shows you that there are places out there that appreciate the PO's, the, uh, the, the point of view of people of color. And, and also, um, like James Jenkins is one of my mentors. He's an amazing guy. And, um, when I first was exposed to his work, other, you know, I was making the assumption with, a, with, with, you know, his, he was black. I was like, James Jenkins, he sounds like a black dude. I want to know who this cat is. Uh, but his work didn't scream person of color um in the sense of like it had you know had to do with black culture it just was just amazing art direction and just amazing thinking you know what i'm saying now there was he did a campaign for for the lebrons when lebron was coming up it was amazing work for that now that had a lot of black culture and a lot of black you know influence to it that um made it really smart and cool and unique and authentic. Um, but my having Jayanta, knowing that Jayanta existed out there made me believe that I could go to Wine Kennedy one day. Made me believe that I could win an award one day. Made me believe that um, someone would take my book seriously. You know, because as a person of color, you walk into a room, and re- before they even look at your portfolio, they might write you off. They're like, "Yeah, what does this kid know?" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, or or
1: assume, or assume the work that you've done, right? Is yeah, like, they're like, like well, we a don't need style.
0: You know, like one of the one of the <laughs> saddest things I ever heard about Jimmy Smith <laughs> and his time at White and Kennedy was he really wanted to work on Nike running. And yeah. people in the in the in the uh, view the POV of him at Whidbey was well, night well, Jimmy knows basketball. That's what he knows, and I'm like, Jimmy knows creativity. He can work on anything. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Don't pigeonhole him to basketball. That you know, that's you know, in itself, you know, foul. It's. It's fine.
1: crazy because you would never think you never in a million years would somebody say the reverse. Right. Yeah. Nobody would ever <laughs>
0: Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, you oh. Know. oh no, no. Yeah. Chip chip, you know, chip only knows lacrosse. We can't put chip on <laughs> anything else. You <laughs> know, only <who> knows lacrosse. <laughs> you know, like that right. that would never happen. You're right. That and would never happen. And, and that's the thing. It's like you 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 have to have those people out there doing that kind of stuff. And to your point about having the courage to reach out to folks, if you see other people who look like you at an agency doing great work, you feel more comfortable reaching out to them.
1: Yeah. You
0: know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. I, I was I was talking to a young man last night, um, and I was asking him, I said, do you have a... There's a there's a, a leader at his organization that's a black guy. And I said, do you have a great relationship with this guy? And he was like, yeah, I have an amazing relationship with him. I said, dude... Ask him to dinner. Like you're talking to me, and I'm going to help you as much as I can. But your your you know your thoughts that you know and the concerns that you're having have to do with your agency. He's at the agency. Have him give you some you know guidance and leadership and things of that nature. Like if if you have exposure to him, use it. You know what I'm saying. He took me up on it, and and that's one of those things. It's but you got to have. You know, you got to be comfortable with those folks. Like, when I was at the Martin agency, um, it was Danny Robinson that helped me navigate the Martin agency. You know, because I kind of felt like a square peg in a round hole when I was at Martin. I mean, it's a completely different Martin now. Um, yeah. But, and not that Martin was bad when I was there, but it's I, I never felt like I fit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, Yeah. you know, like my partner and I, we wanted to do a certain type of work. And we just felt that that certain type of work wasn't being accepted, you know. Or un- I should—I I, I rephrase that—wasn't being understood. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, we we were looking at things from a POV that people were going, "I don't get it." Yeah. Like, you know, or like, do people think that way, or do people like that? Or like, yeah, lots of people. You know what I'm saying? So it was, but Danny helped me navigate that work. Um, and I, and I, I was extremely thankful that I had him there when I was there. Um, but yeah, you, you, you have to have those folks so you don't feel like you're on an island because there's a lot of times, you know, I, and this is something I, I don't know why it never really dawned on me. Like when I was at McKinney, I was the only black creative out of like 60 some of my creatives. it was the only black person and it was someone else who pointed it out to me. You know, at the agency, he was like, you know, you're the only black creative. I was like, I am. It never really dawned on me because I was like in the work. I was in the work. I was in the work. I was in the work. And I was just trying to, again, always put my POV in the work, put my POV in the work. And it was always welcomed. But I can see, I, I can understand had it not been welcomed. That's when I would probably feel like a square peg in a round hole. I would. That's when I would feel like an outcast. That's when I would be. It would be very obvious to me that I am different. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I have been in situations where it's very apparent to me that I am different from everybody else here because of the way that I think, um, the way I'm approaching things, the way that I speak, my POV on a particular particular topic. You know my knowledge of a particular genre of whether it be music, film, whatever it might be. Yeah, I am an other, and, and 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 when you're put in that position, you shut down. You don't give a crap anymore. You just and and it's easy to get bitter and mad and jaded. Um, yeah, because you don't feel appreciated. You don't feel heard. You don't feel seen. I know that's a big topic now. Like you know feeling being seen, yeah. feeling seen. But yeah, you you you. You feel like you don't matter. You know what I'm saying? So to your point, yes, having people who look like you as heroes is extremely important. Having people in your agency that are in the upper echelons gives you something to shoot for, gives you mentors to ask questions for. Um, because, you know, for a lot of people, if you don't see it, you'll never believe it. You know what I'm saying? Like we still haven't had a female president. And a lot of kids out there probably think, you know, they still can't be female, even though we've had women who've come close. Yeah. People are still like, well, that never happen." And then once we have a female president, that'll break a lot of barriers. And everybody goes, you know, little girls are like, I can be president. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so but, would you say
1: that? Uh, so when you describe your experience... Do you think that for the most part, it sounds like maybe you've had some of that feeling? But do you think that for the most part, you your experience has been positive? And from that point of view, that you haven't been like pigeonholed or or marginalized or like has your how, what? How would you rate your experience from that point of view?
0: It's a good question. I.
1: Because it sounds like you've, like maybe you've kind of have been somewhat unscathed, but I got to imagine there's, there's a few things out there, a few things that maybe have, have happened. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have been very, like I said, I have been very fortunate to have people who kind of take me under their wing and help me get opportunities. Make, well, not help me, make sure that I get opportunities. Yeah. And, because they 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 appreciate the work that I do, and they appreciate how hard I work at things. Because that's the thing, dude. It's like if I'm not getting it, I'm gonna keep trying. Like I I'm never gonna stop trying. You know what I'm saying? Like like I, I you know I used my pool reference earlier. Like I'm gonna go if I'm gonna drown, I'm gonna go down swinging. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm gonna go down flapping and flailing <clears throat> until my very last breath. Um. And, and there are a lot of people who appreciate that and they want to try to help you. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I have been put in situations where I've just felt like giving up,
1: yeah. like
0: my boss doesn't care. You know, this brand that I'm working on doesn't want to do this kind of work. The agency doesn't necessarily want to do this kind of work. Um, I, I, I don't feel valued here at all. You know, I, I, I want to get out of here as quickly as I possibly can, you know, but that's but that is after trying. That is not just me like screw this yeah. place. Right. Right. You right, right. Right. But you, yeah. you, you, you you try to build rapport with people. You try to help people understand where your work is coming from. You know, I mean, like my partner and I, uh, I, I worked for many years with one of my dear friends, Marco Howell. And Marco and I would sometimes build a pre-deck for our deck like here let's just give you some cultural background on this topic
1: (laughs) yeah
0: okay and now we're going to show you this work that is based on these cultural references that we've just shown you you know what i'm saying to help folks who you know probably don't spend a lot of time with people who don't look like them or probably don't have an understanding of you know whether it be like you know, uh, uh, like people talk about street culture or hip hop culture or fashion, like, the, yeah, they they kind of have this kind of suburban, you know, lens that they see everything through, and you know, just because you read about it in the New York or in New York Times or whatnot doesn't mean you have an understanding of the culture. <laughs> you you yeah. may be aware of it, but you don't really have an understanding of it. Like you've never right. you know experienced it, and and it's. And, and, and you, you, I've been very fortunate to be around people who have a curiosity, want to know, want to listen to my POV. But like I said, I mean, it's a, it's been a 50 50 split. I can't sit here and say, Oh, Jaime, it's been a breeze, man. I've just been going yeah. through it. There have been plenty of times where I've, like I said, I just, like, we'll have a great idea and we'll laugh and, you know, this side and the third. And then, you know, you know, people say phrases like, "Oh, a client will never buy that," um, and then end up buying it just on a whim. And you will win awards, and all that's great. But I, my experience has been more of, you know, a client won't even know what this is, man. Like, yeah. we can't, even, we can't sell it internally, so we know we can't sell it externally. You know, yeah. they don't even, they, they don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, and and it's and there's not even a desire to know. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that's not even a situation of talking about something through the lens of a person of color. That's just, you know, coming at it from, you know, like if if my world, if my world POV is the, the sky is purple and it has polka dots and I work in a world where everybody's sky is blue with, you know, regular clouds, it's hard for me to sell people on my POV of the world. That's one thing. Then you put on top of that, that I'm a person of color. Now it's twice as hard because they really don't understand me trying to communicate with them. And again, that's not a universal thing. That is, that is a situation, that's a situational thing. Some people will take the time to get it and try to unpack it because they want to know. Then other people will just kind of wash their hands and be like, I, I don't get it, I don't know. And it's just, the, the thing that always frustrates me is it just seems so complicated. like how is it complicated like it's not complicated at all actually it's very simple you just don't have the background to understand it and because i'm having to explain it to you you feel that it's convoluted but if i take it to some other people like if i take it to a skate community A skater kid, they get it immediately. If I take it to a sneaker shop, they get it immediately. If I take it to the barbershop, they get it immediately. If I take it to a group of women, they'll get it immediately. You, however, don't get it. Yeah. So,
1: and it's because I think sometimes people start to think, you know, they they start to forget who the work is for, and the work is for the audience and the target, not you know whoever it is that you're presenting it to. It's like, well, this isn't. This may not. You may not understand this but i guarantee you the audience does right exactly and that's where you get people get into trouble where they start making work that they know the client is going to like on some sort of personal level yeah and then when the and then when the work doesn't work when the work doesn't work doesn't produce results they're not going to say well you know i signed off on it because i liked it they're going to say well that's what the agency brought me yeah right because they're not they're not challenging themselves um, I want to I want to kind of you know bring things to to kind of wrap things up here. Mm-hmm. What is so? I, you you already are uh, an inspiration and a hero to to folks out there, right? But if you had to say, what are what are your your hero superpowers? What do you think? You know, gives you gives you sort of your your superpowers. I, I have an idea. Uh, of some of them, but I I would love to hear your, your take on it. You know, and this is an opportunity for you to You're you're a humble dude, but this is an opportunity for you to, you know, take some, take some credit Um, where where credit is due.
0: Yeah. Why not? um, Well, I I would say my enthusiasm. Like I, Mm. I, I love what I do. Like I tell students all the time. I said, I would do what I do for free, they're just stupid enough to pay me to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like I love what I do, I still love it. I've been doing it 20 some odd years, I still love it every day. Um, so my enthusiasm I think can overwhelm people sometimes or really inspire people. I think the fact that I, I, I've always felt like an outsider, so I, I'll, I always want to try to make people feel included you know oh what I'm saying? God. Like, I've always been short. I've always worn glasses. You know, I'm a black dude. So there's so many different ways that I kind of stand out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a wide, um, uh, level of taste for lots of things, which kind of throws people. Like there's a, there's a there's a rapper named Earl Sweatshirt. And he talks about how how he he met Tyler the Creator, and they became friends because he was saying that he said I was I was too white for the black kids and too black for the white kids, so I didn't really know how to yeah. fit. And he said then I met right. Tyler, and Tyler was the same way. And then you know we kind of bonded and whatnot. And I I I've kind of experienced that a bit in my life. Um, but yeah, when you have a wide variety of, of tastes. And whatnot, people have this kind of this. People want to put you in a stereotype. They want to put you in a box. It was like, oh, you're black, so you must love hip hop. I know plenty right. of black folks that don't necessarily have a. They they have an understanding of it, but they don't necessarily have a mixtape or a playlist of hip hop. Right. um But. But yeah, I mean, like, I I think you know. So yeah, so like my enthusiasm, you know, my 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 desire for everybody to feel included, yeah. Um, my passion for what I do. Um, and, and 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 the craft that goes into it, and and then also I don't take myself too seriously. Yeah, like I don't like. You know, people are like, oh, chief creative officer. I'm like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? It's like, like I I, I, I had a boss. Uh, we were, we were I, I won't say what city we were working in, but he was talking about how, you know, some people want to brag about how this agency is, you know, the best agency in town. He said, but that's like, we're saying we're the tallest midget. You know what I'm saying? So it's <laughs> like, you got to have a certain level of humility to you. You know what I'm saying, like, um, and I I try to view my life through that. Like, I I, I try not to take myself too seriously. I always try to put myself in a place of humility. I know that there's always someone above me, someone doing better, someone that can inspire me, that will, you know, that that drives me. And like I said, whether they be younger than me or older than me, um, it doesn't really matter. Like, I I can be inspired by anybody. I can be inspired by a five year old, like. so yeah, so that's I, I, I would say that's, that's pretty good.
1: That's, it. that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good list, and I would say I, I, um, I I'm tracking with you um, uh, on on a lot of these on mono, all of them really. But the one that really struck a chord with me is the inclusivity part because I think that that's you know it, it's missing at at some places, right? Where you know it's my biggest pet peeve when when people don't, you know, take at least a minute to introduce other people that may not know each other in a room, right? Yeah. Or or not want to bring in a certain group of people from the agency that are in another on another team or I mean it drives me it drives me it drives me bonkers and I think that it's such a dumb outdated way to to look at things, right. Keeping things siloed. Oh, they're the brand creatives. And that's, the, those are the social creatives and they're different. And the, we're the cool, you know, like all that kind of stuff that I see yeah. happen. It's just like, so that one really struck a chord with me. And I think that's, that's a, a great, you know, superpower to have to be that, that person that brings people and not just, you know, what, what's somebody said, somebody had a definition of in- inclusivity, right. It's a, it's, it's more about, it's not just about inviting somebody to the dance, but asking them to dance. Right. It's one thing to be like, you know, you can, yeah, sure. You're, you can show up, but it's another one to like pull them in and like have an experience with them. So that one, that one really struck a chord with me.
0: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we, we need to be friends. That's how I would at it. It's like, We should all be working together, being friends, hanging out. I mean, because advertising, you know, it's the best non-job job job you can have. I always tell people that. It's like, you know, we don't have to get dressed up to go to work. You know, part of our job is to goof (laughs) off. You know, goof off, let your mind wander to come up with great ideas and stuff like that. And the more you can surround yourself with interesting people to do that, the better you'll be at your job. So you should be trying to meet as many interesting people as you possibly can. You know and and don't limit yourself to the cool kids or to you know whatever kind of yeah you you know surround yourself with i i i i I call it the weirdos and the normals it's like yeah surround yourself with a mix of weirdos and normals you know
1: absolutely absolutely well i think that's a that's a good uh that's a good place to uh come to a close here Uh, Clarence, I really, 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 really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation that I think was really important and one that I've been wanting to, uh, talk about. So thanks for sharing your, your experience and, and, and thanks for just, uh, I mean, I I feel like we hit it off on our, on our previous conversation and thanks for definitely being somebody that I can look up, look up to and and see as a hero. So thanks for uh, coming into my world and accepting the invite to be on the show.
0: Hi, well, me. I, I appreciate the invitation. It, it's an honor to be invited to participate on your podcast, and um, I, I, I hope people, you know, find our conversation valuable and, and reach out to you and, and like and subscribe.
1: <laughs> like and subscribe, and reach out. Uh, reach out to uh, now. Your now your inbox is going to get flooded, but reach out to uh, Clarence because he is uh, a real life superhero so thanks for being on the show man let's keep in touch i'm i'm oh, man, I
0: that. Yeah, uh, gonna happy, keep
1: be keeping an eye for your, your next big move and just know that i'm rooting for you and uh love to keep our conversations going and there you have it folks another episode of confessions of a creative director in the books thanks to my very special guest clarence bradley uh, thank you so much to clarence that was a great conversation one that i think was important to have And, hey, we all need uh, heroes to look up to. So thanks again to Clarence for bringing us that uh, great topic. Hey, folks, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends about it. Um, Be sure to like the podcast, recommend it, give us a a great review uh, wherever you pick up your podcast. Also pick up my book, What's the Big Idea? An Indispensable Guide. Uh, for becoming a kick-ass creative director, soon to be out on audiobooks. So keep an eye out. I'm I'm days away from launching that. Uh, So pick that up and check out my website, too, JaimeCabreraCreative.com. If you're interested in one-on-one coaching, um, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm all about it. So check that out. All right, until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya. Big enough, so make the logo.